you, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcast. Matt Michaels here with Cincy Steve Simon Street and uh, DJ Impact is not with us today because he is on a quest to find those fuzzy white slippers. May you find them in peace and may they still be in one piece. Or not worn by somebody with bigger feet than him. Yeah, or smell your feet. Facts. There you go. Uh, it's our three counts. Uh, we got three topics here this week that we're going to uh, dive right into. Uh, the first one uh, comes from Sports Skeeta. And uh, it is I thought Triple H was going to make the WWE better. Wrestling World has a meltdown after announcement of Roman Reigns' Logan Paul confrontation segment on SmackDown. Uh, story goes like this Wrestling fans are furious after. Chief Content Officer Triple H invited Logan Paul to confront the undisputed WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns on SmackDown. The Tribal Chief was recently a guest on Logan Paul's uh, or Logan Paul's impulsive podcast. After the interview, Paul mentioned that he was eager to wrestle Reigns and believed he could emerge as the winner. This led to a battle of words between the two parties. And to settle things, the CCO of WWE invited the YouTube sensation to SmackDown. However, the WWE Universe was not happy with Logan challenging the Tribal Chief this early in his pro wrestling career. I've got some examples of some of these tweets. Uh, at WWE, at Logan Paul, if he gets a title shot while other athletes get overlooked, I'm so done with WWE. Uh, at WWE, can't even use real wrestlers. Laugh my ass off. Uh, WWE at Logan Paul, this fella is actually challenging Roman. Uh, and then some people had no interest in seeing YouTube sensation on the blue brand. WWE at Logan Paul, who want to have this guy challenge Roman, huh? He's a kid. He should be performing on NXT Level Up. And uh, nobody want Logan Paul. Everybody want Bray Wyatt. So give us Bray. <laughs> and of course, uh, the final one at WWE at Logan Paul. Can't wait to boo him live, uh, which is hysterical because this is happening in Saudi Arabia. So CJ, the chosen one, uh, at Live for WWE. I hope you get those tickets for uh, Saudi because it seems like you really want to boo it live. And then finally, of course, I thought at Triple H was going to make WWE better. All right. So, Simon Street, you brought this up. Uh, very interesting, right? This is, uh, this is something that, you know, no matter what you do in this world, 
it just comes down to everyone just wants to bitch and complain. And uh, Simon, what's your take on everything? Well, it's 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 like I, I I always like to say, if you think pleasing everybody is the way to go, you're only gonna screw yourself in the end. And uh, that's what Triple H isn't doing right now. Triple H is actually making a smart, smart decision. Um, even better than some of his predecessors probably would have done. Because the predecessors would have made this same ass match and put the belt, the title belts up, up on the line. For what? We don't know. But he's using a good opportunity to showcase uh, a champion. And, and, and I'm going to say right now, Logan Paul is a champion. He may not be crowned with gold dripping around his waist, but this man right here is uh, utilizing social media to the fullest extent. Him and his brother have been down since day one. They was doing YouTube videos when YouTube wasn't even out of the mouth of everybody else. I don't even like dude, but I, I appreciate his hustle. And at the end of it all, what biggest stage? Because real talk, the same people that's bitching and complaining about this was the same people that was bitching and complaining. Oh, I don't know. Back when he faced uh, against, uh, what was that guy named? Oh, Floyd Mayweather. It was an entertaining match. It was entertaining. Were you not entertained? I was entertained. I really want to see him get his fucking block mocked off. And you know damn well we all want to see Roman Reigns spear the shit out of him. Make his soul go back like he could ball in Mortal Kombat. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's good because everybody on Twitter has a platform to have a goddamn opinion. And thank goodness that we live in the great United States of America where you can have an opinion. But like all opinions, it came out your ass because Triple H, and that's why I showed this because we all want to laugh about this, but Triple H is smart, right? He uses the opportunity. The Saudis are loving it. They're like, oh, we're going to get Logan Paul. We're going to get Logan Paul. Okay, cool. He's a draw. Why would you not use a draw? Y'all was bitching and complaining. We had Oldberg. Who was bitching and complaining? I don't know. Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. Sin City Steve, raise your hand because I know you wasn't feeling Oldberg. Come on, Matt Michaels. Even your ass didn't like Oldberg. That shit wasn't a draw. We barely lifted up out of our seats when we had Triple H and Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker and Kane. So at the end of the day, yeah, he's young. Yeah, could he have gone to NXT? Possibly. But right now he's going to Saudi Arabia. This is some cool ass shit. Please, Roman Reigns, spear the shit out of this boy. I'd love to see it. Because that going to make me rewind that motherfucker back and forth four or five times. I mean, Steve, uh, outside of the French Saudi accent, which is just <laughs> remarkable. Trim's <laughs> uh, getting everywhere. <laughs> you know, so you look at this, and uh, this is something, obviously, the Saudi, you know, prince has the say on almost everything, right? This is how it's been laid out for the, the years that they've been doing it now. So this is something that needed to be approved, uh, something that obviously is going to bring extra attention that they can't pass up either. So is this a smart move uh, to present a guy who, let's face it, he's only been in two main matches. Um, he's not seasoned. And yet he's going to be on something that is actually called the crown jewel which is, you know, for them, an equivalent of a WrestleMania type of show. Is this the right move? 
Without question, it's the right move. Um, and in so many ways, it is the right move. Um, keep in mind, Logan Paul has millions of dedicated social media followers among all of his platforms. Uh, he Just him being on the show moves the needle. I find it really ironic that he's going up against Roman Reigns, uh, who had the t-shirt and claimed that he was the needle mover, when in all actuality, if anybody that is linked to WWE has the capacity to be the needle mover, it is Logan Paul. Right. And that is just the utmost ironic thing because the guy has clout. He has created uh, his businesses. I mean, you know, Prime is is one hell of a great story. Um, and, you know, he's got his podcasts and, and everything that he's doing. He is, he's got his, he's just in everything. And he's going to do nothing but drive eyes to the product. This is nothing but a winning situation for WWE and for everybody involved, for Logan, for Peacock, for everybody that can stand a profit from this. This is a 100% slam dunk. And yeah, I, uh, I, 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 it, I don't doubt in my mind whatsoever that Roman's going to pick up the win, but you're going to have all those new eyes possibly locking in on WWE programming for what could be the first time. No, and that's that's the key there. And I think what what fans kind of who who are upset by this, um, first of all, it's hysterical because why would this? Who cares? It happened. What the match is going to be? What eight to fifteen minutes? That's it. That's your life. Yeah, and and it will be over. So, um, but what's really the? It's not like you have. Um, you know, the it's not like you're taking a guy like uh, who is starting out on NXT, let's say, all right, a, a younger guy, and just throwing him into this big event and this, you know, he's green, he's this, he's that, he can't do, why is he getting this match, all that. It's Logan Paul. He already has the brand in the name. So the one thing that he showed is that he can take a beating, right? That's what you need to be in a match with Roman Reigns. You need to be able to bump. You know, you, you probably are going to get about three really impressive, cool moves in, right? We're going to get, you know, those couple of highlights that could be made into NFTs, all right? Everything else is going to be Logan Paul getting the shit knocked out of him. And it's, you know, it's going to be something that what's the more interesting thing is because it's in Saudi, Logan obviously is looking like he's the face to this. But are they going to be as receptive to him? What is his following like out there? to what the crowd's going to be like, are they going to be more of Roman fans if they're wrestling fans, per se? Um, or are they going to you know, side with Logan because X amount of Saudi people know who this guy is and they're able to see his YouTube stuff? Um, that's the other thing I don't know, honestly. I don't know how their YouTube and shit works over there and what they're allowed to see and not see. So um, interesting stuff, you know? Uh, and like you guys said, more eyes, the better. And how can you 
deny the fact that if this is going to propel you, especially in mainstream media, which is going to get a lot of coverage on this, shit, why not? So very interesting, very cool move. Um, all right, count number two. And uh, this comes from... Uh, well, that, this comes from... Thirstyfornews.com is actually what the website is called. Uh, and this is NBC Universal might make a play to buy Warner Brothers Discovery. The world is always changing as the media landscape prepares itself for whatever the future holds. While some companies are dumping millions into the metaverse, Comcast might drop an even larger bag on a huge acquisition. The Hollywood Reporter ran a story that some might find quite interesting. Comcast might make a play to buy Warner Brothers Discovery and merge it with their already established NBC Universal brand. Uh, and this is uh, from that uh, Hollywood Reporter story. Given the company's daunting challenges, it has become accepted wisdom at the highest levels of the industry that another deal waits in the wings for Warner Brothers Discovery. For reasons related to the complicated structure of that merger, no negotiations can happen until April 2024. But at that point, many industry observers believe that Comcast's Brian Roberts will make a long-awaited move looking to combine NBC Universal and Warner Brothers Discovery. That deal would face some interesting antitrust issues, but would give his company scale and a viable streaming service. Obviously, Peacock sucks, says one exec with knowledge of both companies. There are some good synergies. I'm sure Roberts is licking his chops because the WBD stock is so low. And I think that's the end game uh, to get the place sold. Uh, it could be a landmark deal that would create an industry, industry juggernaut. Only time will tell if Contest pulls off the deal. But nobody thought a cable channel would actually buy NBC until it actually happened. All right, guys. So I brought this out because of the fact that, you know, we, we've talked over the years about the WWE potentially uh, selling their company, right? And we've seen uh, WWE work with... Uh, you know, NBC Universal for years and years and years going back to, you know, USA and um, how all that stuff has transformed over the years into that one company. And now working uh, again with uh, Peacock and the streaming service. Uh, and now you have Warner Brothers and Discovery, who, of course, are the ones who have AEW on their television. Um, and if you think about the idea of Tony Khan acquiring ROH because of the idea that he wanted video library to have to then have a streaming platform. And if they were to put that on WB discovery, um, you know, would that be something that would help them, you know, get that type of money? Um, but in the end, what's interesting is if, AEW is able to maintain their contract and they maintain an interest and then this deal happens. I don't think any of us ever thought of the idea that both wrestling companies could be owned, 
you know, have television deals owned by the same company, which is kind of mind blowing. Um, I don't know, Simon, what do you think about that potential that, you know, the, not only in the wrestling aspect, but just in, you know, entertainment in general, having such a huge potential conglomerate a couple years out potentially, but still those two years, as you know, you've said here, years go by quick. And the next thing we know, we're going to be talking about potentially WWE and AEW being, you know, televisionally owned by the same company. Uh, you know what? I got to be honest with you. Uh, it seems like it could be a very, very good prospect to possibly happen. Um, let's just play. Let me play devil's advocate. Let's say it does happen. Okay. Let's say. NBC is able to pull this one off and both companies end up being under the N NBC banner per se, right? I always believe that when you have a big juggernaut, it breeds more motivation for other companies to rise or for new ones to rise. And as we all know, being wrestling fans, that's always good for us, right? The more the merrier, the more that come to the table, more companies find other sources to elevate their platforms. So that's one way that I would look at it in that instance like okay let's see if it does happen that'd be cool the next thing that i think about is a little bit far-fetched uh maybe mark's paradise will you have it to where you start thinking a little bit unrealistically like okay both companies are now under nbc could that means that they could be asked or groomed to work together on future products and again i did note earlier far-fetched fantasy but that's something that a large group of people who are, are fans on this podcast and wrestling fans alike obviously there's a large enough to think about the same thing so those are some things i talk about i think it really would be cool nonetheless because i think if you have both entities you can then look at the product and what's a way can you do distribution right obviously wwe has done a for the most part good job of distributing we won't talk too much about peacock okay but for the most part, they, ha they, they have a pretty good portfolio of how they do things, right? Can you imagine if they found a way to up uh, level that up, right? And WWE is already poised to keep on that same mark of worldwide branding, right? That could be a huge cap or, or feather in the cap of NBC. If they're taking, if they get that WWE experience, they take that to the next level and then they shoot that over to AEW right i don't know it's just some things that when you were reading the article that i thought about maybe they hit a miss but that's what's on my mind steve you know what's interesting too is that wwe uh their dvd distribution uh you know in the the, the last waning years of dvds here uh is through warner brothers so <laughs> it's it's very interesting how everything's already kind of intertwined and, and kind of um, more and more becoming very incestual when you're talking about media companies uh, and, you know, potentially um, working with these outside wrestling companies. Do you, do you see a world where you can put on uh you know 
your programming on TNT on Monday nights, let's say uh, Raw, you know, and simulcast it. So you have USA and TNT. So now some of your cable packages that might not, you know, if Detroit doesn't get a certain station, but Albuquerque does, you know, now you can, you know, basically you can get raw or you can get AEW potentially on stations that you might not get in your cable package. Um, is that something that could be a possibility or is it really in all honesty, gearing towards the streaming side of things as being the future of what really we have to look forward to as wrestling fans, that we might not even have to really worry about the network per se, but the platform it's on streaming. Without question. I think that um, I, it, everybody's so wrapped up in, you know, even the, the comments on this article um, the hyperbole is just so palpable that you could cut it with a knife saying, uh, goodbye, AEW, blah, blah, blah. So ultimately at the end of the day, realistically, what would happen is, yeah, if NBC universal did make a play and they did purchase, um, WBD, then that's one thing. Okay. Now in theory, they, they could just send AEW packing. They could just you know, turn right around and, and cancel that product. Um, I think that we are starting to see less of a, uh, you know, an independence on strictly the broadcast networks and you hit the nail right on the head, Michaels. Um, WWE and the WWE network was completely ahead of its time. Um, and nothing that anybody says will prove otherwise. Uh, I think that we could start to see a streaming service be an over-the-top based kind of a um, uh, platform for AEW in the future. And especially if, you know, we've all been talking about, hey, let's get Ring of Honor its own time slot and all this kind of thing. Okay. The easiest way to possibly do that is to have your own streaming platform. And then at that point, you can have an hour of ROH per week. You can do essentially whatever the fuck you want because you're going to be broadcasting it in an over-the-top format. Um, obviously, I think that it would be a huge blow to AEW and AEW's distribution if they found themselves in this situation. Um, I don't particularly think that this would happen. Moreover, I don't believe that the government would allow it to happen because you, are, you would be approaching um, almost monopoly type of a status. Um, and that's that's one thing that there are a lot of moving pieces and there are a lot of things that need to be considered with this. Um, ultimately, I think that in the next couple of years, it will be very interesting for us as wrestling fans to be able to, to navigate through the entire landscape of everything that's going on. Hell, we saw how much things changed over the just the last two years. Buckle up. We've got a couple more interesting years ahead of us at minimum for sure. Yeah, and, and the idea of antitrust is very interesting because why the fuck did they allow Warner Brothers and Discovery to merge? You I, know, I, uh, I, I don't know why to this day on that. So that's that's yeah. largely why I don't think that they would allow NBC Universal to purchase WBD because already WBD is a huge conglomerate. 
But if NBC Universal purchases them, somebody would have to step in and, and you know, not allow question, that to go through. I would think. The question is, though, with see, and and I think this is what it comes down to. So with the acquisition being as bad as it was because it bought them billions of dollars, you know, into the red. NBC Universal comes in and buys it at the low stock price, and now you've got it kind of, you know, supported again. So in some ways, they can argue that that's a good thing. And then essentially, you're looking at Disney, who has their, you know, ABC and and Touchstone and all that stuff. And then you have CBS, who has Paramount. And then you have, you know, that conglomerate. I don't know if we'll I I don't know if antitrust matters anymore. That's the sad thing. So is it money or is it antitrust? And we'll see. And I think that a wrestling product, listen, um that has no idea, you know, I don't think this merger has a big would have a big effect essentially. More so it's the people who are running Warner Brothers right now. Yeah. So that's that's more what we we see in the present. But it's something interesting that came out of nowhere that is just fascinating to think that yeah, when we were, you know, younger, these companies companies were separate and now let's face it, everything's going to be owned by Amazon in 10 years anyway, so does it really matter? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, but you, it, and and I just wanted to add real quick. You know, we are coming into probably the last three years of the, the years of acquisitions. I think we've seen more mergers across the spectrum, whether it be gaming, which notably a lot of gaming companies have done this, movies, uh, television. You're going to see a lot of companies in the wake of this pandemic, or at least the intensified part. And it's just interesting to see, man. Yeah. Yeah, and it's something to just kind of keep tuned into, and uh, we'll have two years to talk about this. So, all right, last uh, topic. Our third count is AEW Dynamite scores highest viewership of the year without CM Punk or the Elite, and this is coming from CagesideSeats.com. Uh, the ratings and viewership data are in for last night's September 14th episode of AEW Dynamite. Per Show Buzz Daily, Dynamite netted. 1,175,000 viewers for a 0.39 rating point in the 18 to 49 year old demographic. Dynamite finished first place in the demo rating on cable for that night. This is the fourth consecutive week where Dynamite eclipsed the somewhat arbitrary round number of 1 million viewers. CM Punk, The Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega are all currently suspended and off television following their backstage fight at All Out. Even so, this is now Dynamite's highest viewership total of 2022 and its highest demo rating since June 1st. Needless to say, AEW President Tony Khan is very excited about these results. Tony said in a tweet, thanks to you, hashtag AEW Dynamite, had our biggest audience of the year last night. 1.15 million. Plus, we made it 16 straight Wednesdays in Cable's top two shows in 18 to 49 demo. At AW1 uh, TV, 
number one show on cable last night. See you tomorrow for a huge rampage on TNT. Last stop before Grand Slam. Who really needs Punk in the Elite when you still have John Moxley, Jericho, Danielson, Britt Baker, MJF, Swerve Arclory, uh, Lucha Brothers, and the Pizza Guy all ready to step up and take their spots? Maybe Punk and the Elite aren't so critical to AEW's bottom line after all. And uh, AEW has been building up to next week's Grand Slam shows in New York City, where a new world champion will be crowned, <clears throat> Danielson. It's natural to conclude Dynamite can do even better numbers for the big payoff matches following the last two weeks of television. All right, Steve, you are the resident AEW lover. Uh, tell us, lover. What is it uh, about the current situation that has uh, gotten people to watch? And uh, why is it that CM Punk is a cancer on this business? So I find it extremely funny that this will end up being the third company which Brian Danielson wins a world championship after CM Punk leaves a promotion in a huff. 100% true. Facts, Honor, as you would say. WWE and now AEW. So yeah. good to know that we're all in agreement that Danielson should be the one to walk out of Arthur Ashe with the championship, or at least walk out of that match. Yeah. Yeah. If you have MJF cash in the chip, immediately after that's another thing but um yeah i think i personally think that they they had to do this they had to focus on their talents and you know it, it it's very promising that this episode of dynamite had the biggest uh the biggest rating and the biggest demo uh in quite some time and it didn't feature any of the evps uh, it also didn't finish CM Punk. Um, it didn't it didn't feature CM Punk. So it's it's one of those things that's very, very interesting. And it does tell you that there is star power on this roster other than the guys that started the company and, you know, the guy that's been just, you know, sent straight to the top. Um, it's It's very, very not just promising, but it's very interesting to see how they choose to do things this coming week at Arthur Ashe, uh, not just on Dynamite, but also with Rampage and in the weeks after that as well. Um, I think that, you know, Tony has hired some people to strictly focus on the analytics and the data. So I definitely believe that he's seen this specific, you know, um, this, this kind of specific data set uh, in play. And I'm sure that he's aware that, you know, they did these numbers without those people. Um, and it, it's, it's very, very interesting. Will we see more of a focus on homegrown talents? I did notice that they mentioned that phrase several times uh, during the Darby Allen, Matt Hardy match, um, referring to Darby Allen as, you know, getting uh, infinitely better over the last three years. Um, and, that he is somebody that is a homegrown talent that they're looking to, to build around. So yeah, I, I really think that they need to do this. Um, and also the, um, the uh, John in the chat, uh, he, he makes a great point. He says, eliminate the conflict of interests of the EVPs. Then the company can be booked with less pissing contests or less pissing matches. What a concept. Um, I completely agree. Um, 
I, I think that anytime that you have active roster participants as vice presidents or uh, higher ups in your company, that is a recipe for disaster. Uh, so genuinely, we need to see what happens next. I'm very intrigued to see what happens next. And uh, yeah, Danielson needs to walk out of Arthur Ashe with the championship. You know, Simon, the, the EVPs in, in this point, which is something to really kind of take into consideration, and that is um, the EVPs are the one who started the company. So, uh, you know, how do you do it? How do you say to these guys, okay, well, you no longer have any control? Um, and at this point, do you let those guys walk when their contracts are up? Um, of course, if you do that, you also know that the WWE now gets a new stable of Cody Rhodes, Omega, and the Bucks. What do you do? Well, I think we've all been talking about it. Uh, you know, go with your homegrown talent. You know what I mean? I think that you put you in more of a creative control, and that's nothing against those guys that you mentioned, the EVPs and CM Punk's alike. You know, they do bring with them an entourage and a certain amount of, you know, eyes on them wherever they go. But I think the thing that I find interesting is my personal opinion of just looking at AEW from the start. What got me excited about AEW was the excitement of people who were no names or people who were upstarters or people who were people who didn't get recognized in WWE, not even given the time, an opportunity or a shot. They could go to have another option that wasn't a smaller in scale. You know, no disrespect to the smaller promotions that they have out there and actually have a chance to showcase the talent and to create their own legacy. Right. Um, I do believe that. AEW kind of got away from that a little bit. And that's just my opinion. I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, going head up, per se, with, uh, you know, WWE in that amount of time. And I think that when you're you're in a fight and it comes down to survival, you're going to do what works, not what will ensure victory, even if that is at the cost of what you, your identity is supposed to be. And I think that these next couple of steps of whatever TK is going to do, AEW is going to do, is really going to solidify what kind of legacy they want to leave, whether that's going to be long-term or short-term. I'm not going to echo everybody's sentiments, but for almost every person I've spoken to who's a diehard AEW fan, such as Sin City Steve, they have been all hard on for new talent, new faces, getting opportunities, going hard in the paint, you know, with an attitude of we don't give a shit. We're here now. This is what we're going to do. Um, with that said, I don't mind Daniel Bryan. Or, Dan, or Daniel Bryanson, because he's always been a person that has come across as someone that doesn't mind passing the ball. Do you see what I'm saying? Does that make sense, that terminology? He's somebody that has those same attributes of, hey, we want younger talent. So even if he had the belt, I could see him elevate a younger talent in a match against him. Um, I, I also feel that Chris Jericho also, too, has taken some ownership in the last couple of weeks really being outspoken on a lot of stuff. And I don't want to go down that road because y'all talked about it last. But he's another person that sees the bigger picture. So to answer your question, uh, Matt Michaels, 
I think that AEW is better off with the CM Punk and the EVPs, a.k.a. the Elite. Now, if they want to stay on the company, great, but they shouldn't be a part of the main show. They should be doing everything that they can to facilitate the role of promoting and elevating younger talent because that's what I thought AEW was about from the beginning. Well, you know, and and there's there's quite a bit of there's quite a bit of uh, contrast and, and conflict amongst that because um, John also pointed out here another food for thought. Cody was an EVP before he left to return to WWE, and now look at the state of the EVPs in AEW. Was Cody the crazy glue that held it together? No, Cody was the one who was forced out. The EVPs, you know, the elite. They were the ones who, um, they're the ones who got buddy buddy with Tony, right? So when Cody was coming up and stuff, you know, there's no doubt that those guys were squawking uh, behind backs and, you know, setting a bad, you know, putting the bad stuff out there to get people riled up about Cody Rhodes, right? So. You know, without those guys around, it might not be a bad thing, right? On the same flip-flop, you got to look at CM Punk, and you're talking, you know, youth and opportunities. Well, that selfish motherfucker has been nothing but himself self-obsessed. But you got a problem because CM Punk is your highest-rated guy if you break down the um, the segments. So even though you're pulling this number without CM Punk, the question is, if you bring back CM Punk and he does a segment uh, in, let's say, the last half of hour one, then are you going to be able to retain the eyes who are there for CM Punk through hour two, which has been something they've had a problem with. So it becomes a, a very big, um, you know, a very big uh, decision for one person to make. That's the problem. I, it's not the EVPs. It's not CM Punk. It's not anyone in the company. It's that your owner of the company doesn't know what the fuck he's doing in terms of being able to handle these people say what you want about Vince McMahon and his booking, right? And the way that stuff was done like that, you can complain all you want, but the one thing hands down and Eric Bischoff would probably even, you know, has said or would say that the difference between WCW and WWE is WCW had all these fucking people trying to do this, that, or the other with it. And he felt that he couldn't get everything he wanted to get done done because of all these different factions and 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 things, you know, whether it be network or whether it be um, you know Kevin Nash booking or now Kevin Sullivan booking and just all this Vince McMahon that was it. And if you did something wrong, he disciplined you, he fired you, he gave you a raise, he gave you a push. That was it. Tony 
sat there in a press conference looking like a chicken because all he was doing was bopping his head like, what's going on? What's going on? Oh, my God. I don't know what's going on. That's not a boss. That's not a leader. That's a guy who has, you know, a moment where he's basically shitting himself going, the fuck did I get myself into? And he's in a bad position because he made friends with all of these guys. And the worst thing you can do in business is make friends with the people that you're trying to make money with because 100%. yeah, you have to be able to fire guys. You have to be able to not let them control you and what your outlook is for the company. So unfortunately I think that that's what it comes down to is that, Hey, if your ratings are going up and you're getting followers now who become eyes that are sticking with you, why would you poison it again? Why would you bring any of these guys back? And even more so, you look at what the contract time is, and I would pull the, the ultimate boss move, and that is, you know what, guys? You're all staying at home. When the contracts are up, if you guys want to seek out other opportunities, what, you know, whatever, go ahead. But until then, you know, enjoy, uh, enjoy your uh, Domino's pizza and uh, mm. the fucking pizza guy. And, uh, you know, and that's it. So it's a Can very I ask a question? interesting thing. Yeah. And, and I know you've said this a lot, too, that, you know, TK is self-glorified money mark. My question to y'all, do y'all think that TK honestly has some resentment with hearing that be talked about him? Hundred percent. Because, because, because that I, I would feel some sort of way if somebody labeled me as a money mark. I would feel like, you know, I don't have my own mind. You know, uh, I'm, so I'm I'll, basically I'll a hoe with money. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, if you go back, you can just listen to the um, the pre press conferences that Tony would do with media um, before the uh, the big shows, right? Mm-hmm. And the one thing that was very fascinating is that when those started, they started with Cody, by the way, okay? Because Cody was the face. He was the one speaking. And then Tony decided that he needs to get his share of attention. And that's another problem. So when Tony started taking questions, if someone asked him a question that was basically questioning the decision-making or why something wasn't working in the company, he would get defensive and he would basically kind of start shouting at the person, you know, mm-hmm. um, and trying to, you know, trying to act tough, you know, like, why are you attacking our company? And what you started seeing and if you look at, you know, go back and you, you listen to these, the people who end up asking questions now, the people who are at the scrum as well, these are all people who they trust and know that are not going to, you know, throw out these questions that will make Tony mad. These are all pat on the ass questions nowadays. So it's kind of changed. It's evolved because Tony doesn't 
want anything negative. He just wants positivity, which goes to the scrum and makes me think that, yes, people are saying, oh, some of it must have been a work. It wasn't a work. But what did happen, I'm pretty positive that the person who set the question in motion for CM Punk was given that question by CM Punk beforehand. Tony didn't know that was going to happen. And Punk got in everything he wanted to say. Because I think it was two weeks earlier, he had basically said, just wait for the press conference. And, you know, so that's another thing. You're running press conferences after your shows. If you can't control your guys, why are you even doing it? It's stupid. And it was an hour and a half press conference after a fucking five-hour show. <laughs> like, you know, that also solidifies the uh, the answer of, is Tony on something? Probably, because you just ran a big show and you spent your whole day, and now you can go for an hour and a half in a press conference? What are you on, dude? Because that's impressive, and I think we all need some of that, uh, whatever it is. So, um, and uh, and John made another good point here. Uh, what's the betting line on no more scrums? TK stole a UFC standard and obviously doesn't work with the world of professional wrestling. However, John, it does because the same weekend, the day before. In Scotland, Triple H ran the press conference for the Castle show after the show. And, you know, I didn't hear about Drew McIntyre uh, storming off on a huff nope. because Roman Reigns is still champion. So, Or because, for whatever reason, Tyson Fury decided to come out and sing American Pie with him. Exactly. Well, you didn't like that? That was like the highlight of the show, Steve. I was actually, I, I was actually pretty good, and you know, I had a pint and sang along as well. Fuck that shit! <laughs> Come on, mate. Fuck, fuck that shit. Uh, says the guy whose show has the pizza guy show up. <laughs> hey, it's Luigi Primo. <laughs> Luigi. Well, he ain't tossing my dough. That's for sure. <laughs> oh no, no. Uh, I think uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, he's not. Uh, you know, using flour as long as TK's around. Using that powder. Wow. With that being said, <laughs> we are we are uh, finally done here on the three count for this week. Uh, final thoughts, Simon Street. Um, I just want to give a big shout out for, uh, you know, the Las Vegas or WNBA Las Vegas Aces for winning their first championship. And this marks in history, Las Vegas first pro sport championship uh it, it, it was amazing they finished strong um you know defeating the connecticut sun 78 to 71 in game four uh winning the series three to one um you know chelsea gray was uh you know awarded mvp quick shout out you know to head coach becky hammond you know uh first uh coach you know natalie and, uh, you know, assistant head coach Tyler Marsh and the rest of the staff there. Um, a lot of people who may listen to this don't live in Vegas, possibly. They don't they don't play in T-Mobile Arena. They play in a casino. Not that it's a bad venue. 
uh, you know, Mandalay Bay, but they, they, that's their home. And so, uh, shout out to them. I'm so proud of them. I know you guys are proud of them. Everybody in Las Vegas is going to be proud of them. Um, let's show our love and support because at the end of the day, they did us proud. And, and I think there's going to be more to come with a lot of other teams. That's a good point. Also, uh, Simon, just out of curiosity, do you know who owns the uh, the WNBA? Uh, the same the same owner that owns the Raiders. Yes, I know. There you go. Everybody so, asked me that question. Like I wouldn't know that. Well, a lot of people don't. That's no, they don't. Thing. A lot of people in the yeah. city don't realize that Mark Davis bought an interest into that team, and uh, his first championship comes with the WNBA team before the Raiders. So. All right, Steve, final All thoughts. Right. Awesome. Yeah, special uh, special thank you to everybody who hung out with us tonight, um, especially John over in the chat. Thank you. And thank you to everybody for uh, for hanging out with us. I know that we had Scoop and a few other people in there uh, during Wrestling Talk as well, so thank you so much. Um, thank you for doing what, what you guys do, liking, sharing, subscribing, getting the word out about this podcast. We do this stuff for you. And we, we truly appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you. Uh, also, very special shout out to all, all the brave men and women serving this country, whether you're on lands foreign or domestic. Thank you for what you do because it enables us to do what we love to do. And uh, yeah, we you guys make the sacrifice. So thank you so much. Uh, last but not least, repsports.com, R-E-P-P-Sports.com. Go there for all your pre-workout, weight loss, and general energy needs. Again, that's repsports.com. Use promo code Vegas at checkout and save yourself 15%. There you go. And uh, shout out to uh, DJ Impact. Uh, we believe he found his slippers. Oh. So uh, that means that he probably will be back next week. Uh, if he does make it through uh, the treacherous terrain getting back here, uh, he does have dwarves and elves uh, surrounding him on the uh, journey back. So uh, we will hopefully see him back next week and we'll see you guys next week as well. Biggest bad boys of podcasting.